Welcome back to The Need to Know, a podcast presented by We Roam Freely. We Roam Freely is a nonprofit organization dedicated to uplifting and showcasing women and non-binary artists of color and fighting against systemic racism in the arts. We have some amazing artists lined up to share their stories and help inspire creators like you along their journey. Stay till the end of our episode to find out more about our current artist opportunities and events. On this week's episode, our host Sayaka chats with artist Renike. Renike is a Nigerian visual artist who has a background in graphic design. Most of her works now focus on illustration and traditional art, including watercolor, charcoal, and acrylic paintings. Today's discussion revolves around colorism in Nigeria, the U.S., and online, as well as the nostalgia and significance of protective styling and how Renike's experience has transpired through her work. All right, let's get into it. How was your day? How are you? Oh, I'm fine. I just um, finished work a few minutes ago, so I'm pretty tired, um, but I'm all right. It's the weekend, so I'm excited. How was your day? My day was, it was a great day. I was super excited about this episode because I'm from North Carolina. Um, Never been off the East Coast. I haven't been far. And to me, this is just like my first time. Not saying like I'm in Nigeria, but it just feels like it's the first step to even crossing (laughs) the ocean one little bit. All right. And into telling us a little bit more about yourself, like about the artwork you do, why you do it, who you do it for, or even just like a little bit of your day-to-day life, if you don't Mm -hmm. mind sharing that. Yeah, sure. So my name is um, Renike. My full name is Morenike. It's a Yoruba Nigerian name. Um, I'm an artist from Lagos, Nigeria. Uh, um, my So I'm a visual artist and an illustrator as well. So um, I paint Black women in different um, skin tones, different sizes with different hairstyles, mostly in their late 20s or early 30s, because that's my reality. Um, I paint um, more dark-skinned Black women than light-skinned Black women because I feel like um, dark-skinned Black um, dark-skinned Black women are very um, underrepresented. So um, it's just to appreciate, um, you know, people of you know my skin tone and to make sure they are represented and represented properly. So yeah. That actually kind of goes into my first question. Um, I noticed when I was looking at your page that you did have a lot of dark women on your page. And I thought it was so beautiful. And I was yeah. actually wondering if it was because it's your reality or because of it's the reality that you wanted. And you said that it is your reality. So can you describe that a little bit to me? Like, especially growing up in Nigeria versus me, you know, just growing up over here. Yeah, in so... Yeah, so um, so in Nigeria, I'm not um, very dark skinned. I think I'm I'm towards the light skinned side, but my mom is dark skinned, and my dad is light skinned. But I have um, most of my close friends are dark skinned, and you know, watching them grow up, I realized that they were not very confident, right? Because of you know, there is colorism everywhere, right? So I realized they weren't confident, they were very insecure about like their skin tone and because they were really dark skinned. And for the longest time I, I tried to figure out what was wrong because I saw I saw everybody equally. I felt like um and I still feel like no matter your skin tone, you're beautiful. So I did not get 
where the problem was coming from till I realized that, you know, there was like um, a lot of people favored and treated lighter skinned people better than darker skinned women. And so I decided that I was going to um, show people like my friend and my mom that no matter how you look and no matter how dark you are, you are still very beautiful and there's nothing wrong with you. The topic of colorism has actually been a really big topic over here. Um, I'm not sure if you're on Twitter, if you're familiar with Twitter, how it works, but there's this thing called Black Twitter. Yeah. Um, and I love it because it's just like a whole bunch of Black people who kind of have, like, who kind of share their struggles and platform, share their struggles and trials and tribulations on this platform in a way where it makes it feel like you're not the only one who's going through it. Um, and the topic of colorism has been coming up a lot with not only how dark-skinned women are affected by or, or dark-skinned people in general, because I am a dark-skinned person myself, but how light-skinned people don't even see it and they choose to ignore it and they act like it's not a problem. Yeah, I can, I can totally relate to that because even over here on Nigerian Twitter, it's still something that I call it Nigerian Twitter because you know i'm very active on twitter so i know all of these things yes <laughs> so, um, okay great <laughs> yeah, even, even over here on, on nigerian twitter it's something that we actively discuss and as a light-skinned person i know that i am privileged i know that some people will favor me just because i look a certain way and not because i am like um i mean i know i have the skills but i know that like people will favor me because just because of my skin tone and i acknowledge that and it's just sad that um people that have my skin tone are not willing to acknowledge that there is actually a difference and there is colorism and there is that privilege that we enjoy just because we look a certain way i appreciate you for understanding that privilege and speaking out about it because a lot of it's one thing to know it and it's one thing to do something about it and looking at your work, I feel confident that anyone, any darks or any black woman in general can go on your page and find something where they can see themselves in it. And that's really beautiful because we don't see ourselves in a lot of art. We don't see ourselves in a lot of positive lights. Even like going to like Target, I was noticing how the black dolls, like they have this thing called generation dolls. I'm not sure if you're familiar with um, American dolls. Have you ever heard of them? No, I haven't. American dolls are like this. They're probably like a foot and a half and they're just these dolls that are meant to look like little girls like when they grow like a little girl would like what she would want to be when she gets older so they have these new dolls called generation dolls it's like a spinoff of that and I was in Target and I was looking and all the white dolls were like doctors and professors and astronauts and the black dolls like had face tats or was a cheerleader or like one of like just really low bald career field you know and you have like these white dolls who are like chemists and things like that and i'll look around i'm like a little girl who looks like me would walk in this store and she won't find she doesn't have the same opportunity to have a doll that looks like her to have that inspiration that looks like her we have to create that inspiration for our children or for the generation underneath us so they can have something to look up to so you don't just see yourself in these negative lights that's, that's that's a huge problem. I think that's a huge problem. It's very important that little girls go to places and see themselves being represented. Um, but um, I think the good thing is that I feel, I feel like if few people are doing um, 
they're trying to do something about it. I've worked as an illustrator, I've worked with a few black authors who um, now, um, who are trying to release books on professions for black girls. And, you know, I think they're trying to, you know, let black girls know that they can be anything they want to be. Um, so I think maybe with time, you know, things will get better, hopefully. Um, yeah. No, I definitely believe in time that things will get better because there are artists like you and like you said, the artists that you work with that understand this problem and who are representing us. And even like this platform alone, Only um, Room Freely is dedicated to non-binary women, non-binary and women BIPOC, so Black, Indigenous, people of color who, um, you know, don't necessarily have that opportunity or that advantage to be seen in regular galleries and museums and I wholeheartedly believe the generation that we are is setting a strong foundation to making our own tables yeah. instead of fighting for a table with these European European standards yes yes can you tell me to what extent has your European beauty standards impacted the way you've grown up or have you seen yourself or have you seen other people like you said like your mom or your friends see themselves Yes. Um, well, it, I think it's still something that I still subconscious. I still battle because it's 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 a subconscious thing, right? It's something that you just catch yourself doing. That's a measuring, you know, standards of beauty, like or comparing to the European standards. Still something I catch myself doing, and I'm like, oh no, Marinka, you shouldn't do this. This is wrong. So it it affects everything, right? It affects body types. It affects skin. It affects hair. So um, I grew up you know, with relaxed hair. And this is not this is not me saying there's anything wrong with relaxed hair, right? But you yes. know, if you want to relax your hair and it makes you look beautiful and you feel confident in it, then by all means do it. But you know, I grew up um having to straighten my hair and relax my hair and my mom doing that for me because it looked more proper, right? It was what she saw on TV, not because um, that was what I wanted or not because she was trying to make me feel more beautiful or she thought I looked more beautiful with relaxed hair. Like, so you, things like that where you see um, Africans and Nigerians with very <laughs> curly hair or coily hair straightening their hairs, not because it's it's um better or not because it's nice or not because it makes them feel more confident but because that's they want to look like the people on tv they want to look like the the white people so it, it does affect or it affects hair it affects skin um you know people trying to be lighter skinned because that's what is mostly accepted so using harsh chemicals on their skin i mean i don't have a problem with that as long as it's what you really want and not as long as it does not come from a place of insecurity right so like there is that and just different things are not accepting our features the way they are like as an african or nigerian woman i have um full lips i have a very defined jawline and i have like a huge afro and i grew up feeling insecure about how i looked because i would see the Europeans and see white people on TV with thin lips and I'll feel ugly and I felt ugly for the longest time. So creating art that looks like me and looks like the women in my reality is it's it's therapy to me as well because I'm beginning to grow to accept how I look and just get rid of that mentality that I have to look a certain way to fit into like the European standards of beauty. Um, I have to have a certain body shape and you know, all of that. So it did affect me and a lot of my friends growing up, but I feel 
like right now I'm at a point where I'm snapping out of it and I'm encouraging people around me to also snap out of it and just love themselves just how they look. I wholeheartedly agree with you on that one. Just kind of, it was the same thing over here. Just wanting to, I remember like literally saying out my mouth that I want to be white, that I want to have white hair, that I wish I wasn't black. And I wonder like, where did that self hate come from? Like, you know, and it was like a lot of microaggression, yeah. like a lot of things that you didn't even realize the minor things. It's, sometimes it's not even someone telling you you're ugly. It's really just looking around at your reality and saying, whoa, I don't look like any of these people. And my mom would always try to keep me in like suburban schools, like because you Congo had a better education, but where these better the better education was was around white people, and even being around black people, just feeling kind of out of place there. Like even if pe- being around people who look like me, but I still kind of feel out of place. So it you're right; it takes a lot to come into your own skin. Um, yeah. and that's a step that a lot of black women have to face or a lot of black people have to face and accept that a lot of them don't even realize that they have to face like you do grow up believing yeah. these things and it makes you think that these thoughts are coming from you like these thoughts like you're like you're almost telling yourself this you're making yourself believe it um yeah. but were there it's, any it's steps ridiculous. that you, were there any steps that you could remember like anything that any advice any tips tricks that you know helped you see the beauty within yourself like, I know for me, it was shaving my head completely off. It wasn't till I shaved my head off, let my hair grow back a little bit and look back at pictures like, wow, like I am effortlessly beautiful with no makeup on. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know why I thought this, that, and a third. But some people, you know, they like shave their heads, not even an option. So like, how were you able <laughs> to come into your own skin? Um, I think uh, how if I'm thinking because I don't know if it's something I consciously did, but it's it's something that I grew into. So um, for the longest time, I did not. So I was very busy from a very young point, like young stage in my life. Right. So I was always working in nine to five. So like I did not have time to really look at myself and, you know, notice like what makes me different, what makes me unique and appreciate it. But when I switched to being a full-time artist, I mean, my first year wasn't very busy. So I had the time to just sit down and look at myself and accept my features. Because my first, um, I had to learn how to draw people by first looking at myself, yes. So I was my first um, reference image. So one thing creating portraits, like this is just a side note, one thing creating portraits has exposed me to is just looking at people's features and just taking it all in. So I drew or I used myself as, you know, reference for the longest time. And then I started to notice my features. I started to notice how my nose was shaped, notice how my lips were shaped. And it just hit me that, wow, I'm actually really beautiful. I noticed how my eyes were, how my, my, my hair was. And I think gradually it just, I, I just started to love myself, right? I just started to pay more attention to different people's features. It's exposed me to, you know, just different, like, um, facial features and how everybody's facial features just stand out. And I stopped looking at anything as ugly. So, like, it, being an artist and, you know, specializing in portraiture, it wipes away that mentality that anybody is ugly. 
I just started to think that people have unique features that make them beautiful, that make them stand out, that make them unique and make them what they are. And I think that was just how I was able to just like snap out of that um, uh, mentality that I don't, I'm not beautiful because I don't look a certain way. Hey, I loved how you made the reference saying um, that your art made you like stop judging people and just start accepting people. Yeah. Because um, uh, something big that I've been practicing on is just non-judgment, like not trying not to judge my situation or the people that or try to try not to judge people or try not to judge like a situation, but instead just value it, you know, like sit there and like, okay, is this safe? Is this person for me? But not judging them, not bashing them, not trying to bring them down. And once I started doing that for other people, I realized how much easier it was to do that for myself to take a break, like, hey, like, why are you doing this instead of judging myself and jumping to conclusions with myself? So I think um, a lot of times when people treat you bad, you can kind of tell us like how they treat themselves in a way. What cultural impact has Nigeria and West Africa in general have on the natural hair protective style movement? Because I do notice that you paint a lot of protective styles, a lot of braids, a lot of froze. And I also notice a lot of styles that, that we have in common over here, but just aren't, I haven't really seen the way you presented them. So therefore it's like your hairstyles, like to me, it looked like the blueprint of something I've seen before, but never seen it executed properly that way, if that makes sense. Okay, yes, it does make sense. So um, we grew up as a Nigerian, uh, as a Nigerian woman, I grew up wearing protective styles, but I did not know that they were protective styles. So there are different cultures in Nigeria, the Yoruba, Igbo, and Hausa cultures that do these weaving styles. And it's it's a means of identification, right? You'd see someone's hairstyle in Nigeria and know that, oh, this person is from this tribe just because of how they do their hairstyles. So growing up as kids, going to um, secondary school. Secondary school is like, um, how do I say it? <laughs> I don't know how um, Americans, I think it's elementary school. I'm not sure. It's um, the school you, the class you attend from like uh, the age of eight to the age of 16. Oh yeah, we don't have, okay. Yeah, oh really? <laughs> so growing up and attending school. <laughs> no, yeah, because our, yeah, we will go to two different schools in that time period, but go ahead. That makes a lot more sense oh, than wow. what we do. Go ahead. Yeah. Oh, so we'll go to the same school for like six years and just learn everything, right? So during our time in that school, there will be like different hairstyles per week for the girls, right? So these hairstyles were actually protective styles because they were weaving styles, but we were not aware, right? We just thought it was neat. So everybody would wear these protective styles and change it every week. We didn't know what we were doing then was maintaining our hair and, you know, just doing the low the low manipulation thing. So we grew up wearing protective styles in Nigeria and up till now, it's still a thing, yeah? Um, where the ladies and women in Nigeria that just go out with their hairs in all backs and cornrows and um, different weaving styles because it's, it's pretty normal here in Nigeria. Um, so I think that has impacted my arts because it's all I see, right? <laughs> it's all I see. When I don't want to have to do anything with my hair, I just put it in cornrows or put it in other weaving styles and I just leave it, right? And I, I can just walk out of my house and go to the mall, go to the movies and nobody is going to look at me weird. <laughs> so I guess um, my the representation of hairstyles in my artworks, it's, it's, it's a combination of the hairstyles I have seen and hairstyles that I, I would want to see, right? 
because some of them are not SLs that I've seen before, but SLs that I would probably want to try and want to see. But um, protective styles on natural hair in West Africa is it's the norm, right? Um, it's what everybody does, and it's what I grew up seeing, and it's what I still do up till now. Um, I don't know if that answered your question or if you need me to. Um, no, nah, that was a great answer thing. to my question, and it kind of um, brings me into my next question. You're, what were you saying about the older people? You were saying like, were you saying that they'll kind of look at you guys like funny for having such extravagant hair because they would just only wear cornrows? Um, no, funnily enough, um, everybody just accepted it as long as you know. It, in fact, yeah, <laughs> even up till yeah. now, up till now, people, the older people. Um, I don't know. I think tradition is changing, right? So I would say maybe when I was younger, older people would look at young women do these weaving styles and say, yes, okay, these are decent women because they are trying to embrace their cultures. But now even the older people are willing to explore and um, they are open to more like um, weaving or non-weaving um, styles. Pieces. I don't think it's anything we, we have issues with um, older people over here except if they're like the traditional ones but the the ones that live in like the urban areas like lagos um everybody is cool with whatever you do to your hair <laughs> no that's pretty dope that's pretty um, my last question for you was, do you have to find yourself validating your black art i know a lot of people who say they'll get questions on why they only paint black people or they'll ask me like why am i so like pro-black like why do I have to have a black owned t-shirt on myself or something like that and I'm just like because mm, these are my like I don't want to validate it but do you ever yeah. find yourself validating your black um, art and if so why or to who um it has never okay it has happened something like that has happened just um okay actually twice so it wasn't really about how my art looks because one thing I've tried to do with my art is be consistent so anybody who goes to my portfolio my Instagram page knows that I paint black women so you cannot question me and ask me why I paint black women because you, you like when you see my page you don't see um different you don't see white women on my page or anything just because that's what i want to do i think the only set of people who have questioned um the way my art looks is um some men asking me why i only paint women and that i should paint more men and i usually tell them that's because i like to paint women and if i want to paint more men you would not be the one to tell me to paint more men i'll do it myself <laughs> so <laughs> there's been that and um I think um, there was one time I did some work for, for a brand and it was reposted on their page. And someone I asked seen why that. her lips were too big or why her lips were full. I did not, I was not a part of that conversation because, you know, when, when there are conversations like that, I, I stay clear away from them because I will not give you, I would not entertain it, right? So I'm not going to explain why my art looks a certain way. I'm creating it because that's my reality. And if you cannot accept it, then it's just not for you. And that is totally fine, right? So, but I, I was glad that, you know, the people in that comment zone started, like they were able to explain to that girl that people look like this. There are people that have full lips like this. There are people that have bigger, like, fuller lips and there's nothing wrong with it and you should not just go and start to you know say some bad things about someone's lips just because they're fuller than yours or just because like it does not make sense right so i think those are the only cases that you know i've um 
experienced, but I usually, I, I like that my artworks are pretty, like, I don't know if it's just, if, I don't know if it's the way I carry myself as an artist or the way I put things out there, but I usually do not get questions on why my art looks the way it looks. And mm-hmm. <laughs> if someone asks me any questions, I'll be sure to shut it down even before they proceed to a proper conversation. Now, do you um, sell prints of your work or how would people get in contact with collaborating with you? Do you take, like, how do you make your how do you make your money being an artist if you do well, this could just artist, be a hobby yeah i do i should ask that is this a hobby or is this a profession no it's a profession i became a full-time artist um last year so it's now a profession so um um what was your question again i missed it i forgot it Basically, how do you make your money? How do you freelance? What do you freelance doing? Oh, okay. So um, a lot of people reach out to me to create portraits for them. So I handle portrait commissions. I handle book covers. I handle music art covers. I handle merchandise um, designs, um, art logos, and anything that involves illustrations, inner book illustrations. Um, And yeah, and I sell prints. That's how I make my money. Yeah. Yeah. And how would people be able to get in contact with you or find your work? Instagram. So Instagram is like my main portfolio. They can also find me on Twitter, but my Twitter can be a bit controversial because it's also like a personal <laughs> page and I do not always tweet about my artworks. <laughs> so I feel you on that one. I feel you on that one wholeheartedly. So if you find my Twitter, anything anything you see, you take it. <laughs> but um, it's the same handle. Um, I am Renike. That's I-A-M-R-E-N-I-K-E on Instagram and Twitter. No, I wholeheartedly feel you on the Twitter thing. I'd be like, hmm, should I tweet this? Especially because I'm now not only representing myself, I'm representing a platform as well. And I'm like, you know, the Lord takes me as I am. I think everyone should. Like, <laughs> um, Do you have any like up and coming projects that you're working on or anything that you worked on in the past that you just released or anything pe- you want the people to check out to know about you outside um, of being an artist? Um, not yet. I'm still working on, I've not really had the time. The truth is that, you know how people say they have personal projects and all that. The truth is that I've not had the time to work on personal projects because I've been handling commissions. But I will create time for personal projects. But right now, um, I've been working on a couple of book covers that will do black women and black girls justice. So they can just watch my face. <laughs> And um, <laughs> they would see it out. I I'll make that. sure I post it on my socials. <laughs> I love that. I actually, um, I just picked up. One second. I'm gonna see if I got the name of the book. I picked up this book for my niece. Um, it's by a black artist as well. Ooh, can't even find it but it was beautiful art cover and um i was thinking i'm like wow i kind of want to like read this book and now reach out to her to um you know see if she will be down to do an episode and talk about the book and bring my niece on. i thought that'd be kind of cool but i do love just finding like random black women in places like i was at target and i'm not even trying to like i'm not calling myself a thief but sometimes things from target happen to fall in my bag and i was like in target and i was like nah 
I got to make sure she get all her bread. Because it was on sale, too. And I was like, hmm, why is only black book in here on sale? But whatever. I tell them, take it to the front and I'm going to pay. Like, I would pay more if I could. <laughs> but no, it's just great to see. You're right. Like, to see a book that actually looked good and did justice. Like, it's something that wasn't, you know, just didn't throw to the ground. It looked interesting. had great cover art. It made me super excited to give it as a gift to my niece. I love seeing things like that. And it's because of artists like yeah. you. So I hope that like one day I can walk into Target or some other place and actually buy something with your artwork on it. And I know I probably will. Yes, soon, very soon. <laughs> I believe it. I'm like, wow, I know her. I'm gonna show you too. <laughs> but um, congratulations on all the projects that you have coming up. I hope you get more projects like that. And I also hope you have time to work on your art personally. Um, thank you for coming on and just being a guest and just sharing your time, your presence and your energy and your knowledge. Um, we really yeah. do appreciate that. And thank you for no, your patience because I know it was not an easy episode at, at all. <laughs> no, it's fine. Thank you for having me. I'm always happy to talk about my experience and talk about how to help Black women feel better about themselves. We love being able to amplify voices, organize art shows, give artist grants, residencies, and produce unique content for you. To keep our platform going, we need your help. Visit weroamfreely.org slash donate to support however you can. If it's $5, 20 or 100 it really does make a difference and supports our mission of increasing representation of women and non-binary artists of color. We Roam Freely is currently accepting submissions from visual artists for our March 2021 virtual art showcase. For more information on this podcast guest, as well as submission links, please visit this episode's description box and follow us on Instagram at We Roam Freely. And don't forget, whatever that thing is, do it. <laughs>